Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our bonus episode of Lords of Limited here for October. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we're going to be talking team draft, and wah, wah, we came out unvictorious. Yeah, we're here on a Tuesday night recording. I have a, a cup of whiskey here to help soothe my <laughs> wounds and help me uh, push through this traumatizing experience. Yeah, we... Uh, we botched it, or I, I have to say, I, I feel quite personally responsible, and we'll get to that in, in just a little bit. Um, but of course, it is, you know, it's a team event, um, but we are now down uh, four to two to team resources. And I, you know, I say it to myself, I said it was like trying, because I could, as I said on the podcast a couple of days ago, I could feel myself getting like try hardy and like I really wanted to win. And like before the draft, I was like really trying to just remind myself that like I've already won. Like LSV actively wants to draft with me every set. And that is like the coolest experience. <laughs> right. Like if you tell 20 year old you that, right, you're just like over the moon. <laughs> right. You're just like, no way is that going to be true. And but, you know, it's it's awesome. And, you know, maybe if they start to beat up us, on us too bad over the next few ones, maybe he, he won't feel that way anymore. But for now, that feels like a win. And I'm trying to remind myself that. But yeah, we're going to we're going to be diving into the Innistrad Midnight Hunt showdown versus team resources here but uh before we dive into the draft logs and the decks and the records of, of everybody then we had a little uh testing meeting with alex prior to the event yeah we got together about i don't know a few hours before the event just to talk over cardi valves general strategy we did this before the call time one too and i think pretty successfully cut snow from everyone there's mm -hmm. nothing like that that you can really do in this set but we were planning to uh, this was right around like the time that red spells was becoming the hotness, like in the Lords of Limited Discord. You know, Ryan was blowing up Twitter with all of his posts about blue red spells and red spells in general, red green spells, whatever, really red X spells. And so we decided that we thought our team was more likely to be aware and or draft that deck uh, than their team was. So we decided we wanted to float red cards late in case one of us was drafting that archetype. And I think that was the biggest thing to come out of that team meeting, as well as we didn't want to let LSV have blue black because we felt like in these drafts that LSV has pretty successfully drafted whatever the best deck in the format is. And we knew he knows what blue black is. You know, he forced it to mythic number one. Yeah, blue black rogues in Zendikar Rising. He got a nuts version of that. Um, he got a really good black white uh, silver coal deck in Strixhaven. Um, he tried to do a like multicolor good stuff deck when we did Modern Horizons 2. I think maybe we effectively got under the, that kind of deck with our aggro decks in that draft. But yeah, so that, that was sort of our thought process that like, you know, we knew Esper was going to be contested specifically blue and black um, and that red and green cards might be possible to float around the table a little bit. And that like even if you open something like a Tovalar's Huntmaster, you didn't really need to like try and, you know, carve out green for your lane. Just assume that like green cards were going to wheel. And they, that, that is sort of what happened. Like green and red cards went late as expected. Nobody ended up in blue black specifically. Spoiler alert. Um, and I think that's just largely because all six players at the table knew that was the best deck and knew that like yeah, hell or high water you can't let the person to your left end up in that deck 
For sure. All right. Well, we'll kick things off here with Ben's draft first, and I'll read the picks out, and then I'll let Ben talk us through what his thoughts were. And we'll, you know, sort of, I think, coast through a little bit of pack one, and just remember that the wheel happens a little earlier in team draft. That's, we should probably rewind even just a little bit more. If you're tuning in <laughs> for the first time, and you don't know what a team draft is, and you didn't watch the event, um, a team draft is where uh, is a 3v3 match. So you sit, you know, if you have the first team is three players on team a and the other team is three players on team b you sit a b a b a b and so you're always passing to someone on the opposing team and being passed to by someone on the opposing team so you know like if you pass a bomb that someone that is on the opposing team is going to get that bomb and you know that everyone on your team you and your two other teammates in this case, me, Ben, and Alex, aka Corticals, uh, are going to have to face that card. So there's a lot more dynamics. You get like a lot weaker decks usually, um, and there's a lot more like interesting decisions that happen in terms of like what you're taking for your deck versus what you're passing to the other team. So Ben, without further ado, let's dive in to your pack one, pick one. Uh, so pack one, pick one, you see the following cards as options in terms of commons, I'd say... Lunark Veteran is the only one that jumps out. I guess a Burn the Accursed as well. Um, the Uncommons don't really give much to, to speak of. A Mystic Skull that might go up in value because I think fixing goes up in value in uh, in team drafts. This is the two-mana artifact. Pay one tap to add one mana of any color or five tap to transform it into a 5-6 that has your lands all tap for a, a mana of any color. There's Ghoulish Procession as well, the one on a black enchantment. Whenever one or more non-token creatures die, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with Decayed. It only triggers once each turn. And then I think a pretty slam dunk pick for you is Grafted Identity. Two blue blue rare uh, for an enchantment as an additional cost to cast the spell. Sack a creature. You control enchanted creature and enchanted creature gets plus one plus one. Yeah, I was thrilled to see Grafted Identity. I mean, we definitely wanted to be blue and we wanted a bomb rare and got both of those things. So pretty easy Grafted Identity here. One of the weird things about this pack was the rest of the pack was so weak. I didn't really get a sense of what I was passing to BK or what I could expect BK to do, which is who I was passing to from the other team. And generally, your your job in team draft is to try to figure out what your neighbors are doing so that you don't pass them good cards of those colors. So I was kind of putting my thumb on Lunark Veteran, Burn the Accursed, and Ghoulish Procession as the three cards that kind of stood out to me. But again, they're all pretty middling. So depending on what BK opened, you know, could be taking one of any of those colors or even another card entirely. For sure. Well, so here is the pack that you're going to get, you know, as, as things whip around the table, you said you're passing to BK and you're getting passed two by LSV. So pack one, pick two, you get the following cards here, a, a bit of a better pack. There's a siege zombie, the one on black two, two tap three creatures. You control each opponent loses a life. Another burn the accursed, a bait hook angler, the one in a blue two, one with disturb one in a blue comes back as a one, two flyer and uncommon. I would say Don heart wardens jumps out to me. One green white for a three, three, with Vigilance and Coven at the beginning of combat. If you have Coven, creatures you control get plus one, plus O until end of turn. Yeah, I think this is another pretty straightforward pick for me. Baithook Angler goes great with Grafted Identity and maybe is even the best card in the pack. I mean, Dawnheart Wardens might be a better card in green-white, but there's no way I'm playing green-white with a Grafted Identity and I have no idea what BK is doing at this point, so I don't feel badly about passing a Dawnheart Wardens. I'm definitely mm -hmm. clocking it. And then there's some other middling black and red cards. And again, I, I really have no information on what BK is doing. So take Beta Kangler here and I'm pretty happy to start with two blue cards. Yeah, I'm with you so far. Uh, pack one, pick three. You see a silver bolt, the one mana artifact, three tap, sack it, deal three damage to a creature. If that creature was a werewolf, you destroy it. 
Um, a Lunark veteran, the one mana one one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Disturb one in a white one one flyer on the flip side. And whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, you gain a life. Um, the only blue card in the pack, well, I guess there's two. So there's Stormrider Spirit, four and a blue, three, three flash flyer at common. The rare is still in the pack. That's Galvanic Iteration. It's blue red for an instant. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy, and it has flashback for one blue and a red. And there's nothing really else I think that's worth pointing out. Do you, do you feel like there's something else you want to talk about? No, I don't think so. So for me, I was trying to decide what do I want to do here? So I've I've noted that I've passed several red cards, right? I've passed burn, burn, neonates rush. So it's possible somebody downwind of me, maybe even BK is red. Well, you haven't passed neonates rush yet, but it is in this pack. So you could be passing it here. Sure, sure, sure. So there's a world where if I pass that, but I'm not hating a neonates rush, you know, but I'm no, just kind of no. clocking that I'm have passed a density of red cards. And then I've also passed the white, right? I've passed Lunark Veteran into Dawnheart Wardens into potentially now another Lunark Veteran. But none of those cards are really good enough that I want to hate them. So there's a world where I could take Lunark Veteran here and start to push down blue-white Disturb. And that was definitely in my head. But I felt like I really wanted to keep my options open. There's some value in team draft, I think, to being flexible and then giving yourself out to cut a color once you decide someone's in that and just giving yourself wiggle room. So and blue generally doesn't have great removal if you don't pick up Revenge of the Drowns. And I wasn't expecting Revenge of the Drowns to be flying around the table. So pretty happy with Silverbolt for me here. And then I'm clocking BK on potentially red or potentially green white at this point in my mind, but I really have no way of knowing what BK is doing. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, especially in a, a weakish pack like this, it's great to take a colorless card like Silverbolt. You know it'll make your deck, um, you know, blue. You know, as you said, if you're not expecting to see revenges, which you shouldn't, then blue is going to have a tough time dealing with stuff on the battlefield, and Silverbolt is just fine for doing that, and you're not really sending anything important. So yeah, I, I like this. All right, now pack one, pick four got some choices here um in terms of blue cards there's a geist wave and a locked in the cemetery i don't think you're really interested in either of those i guess there's also winter thorn blessing at uncommon this is green blue for a sorcery put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature you control tap up to one target creature you don't control and that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step that has flashback for one green blue um at common still we've got an eccentric farmer and an evolving wilds and i think those are the cards that i would be thinking about here yeah for me this pack i really think eccentric farmer is far and away the best card in the pack and i'm flexible for a second color and i didn't want to pass a card that good to bk so both happy to have eccentric farmer for my deck and not give it to bk and then at this point black's not flowing at all so i'm kind of mentally ruling out black for bk i'm i'm kind of thinking black is drying up from my right that someone above stream is cutting that and then seeing Silversmith here, I'm really starting to worry about the white I've passed, right? I've got I've BK potentially went like veteran into Dawnheart Wardens, into veteran into Gavany Silversmith. Like that's not great on my end to have shipped that much white to my left, but there's nothing I can really do about that at this point. Like I gotta take the best card for my deck, I think. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's just important to note, like, hey, maybe that's where he's at and use that information down the road. Mm -hmm. pack one pick five again lacking in blue cards for you a locked in the cemetery at common and a corpse cobble at uncommon in terms of other colors maybe if you're worried about the white you're shipping you've got a candle grove witch and a candle trap um, that may go to bk or you may want to take here 
Um, otherwise, the other uncommon in the pack is Contortionist Troop. That's the X and a green, 0, 0, enters the battlefield with X plus and plus one counters on it. And at the beginning of your end step, if you have Coven, you get to put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. Yeah, after picking Eccentric Farmer here, Contortionist Troop really stands out to me as a card I'm interested in for my deck. I am really worried at this point, though, about passing the Candle Grove Witch, because mm-hmm. by far, in my mind, the best things I've shipped to my left are these aggressive green and white cards. So I'm thinking by taking a green card here, if BK took Dawnheart Wardens, I'm still kind of cutting him and getting a good card for my deck. And then I'm not happy about passing the Candle Grove Witch. But again, there's nothing I can really do about it in my seat other than note it and make sure in pack three, if I have the opportunity to maybe cut white cards that I should do that. Yeah, I love it. Pack one, pick six, not a single blue card. Two green cards are pretty unplayable, Howl of the Hunt and Return to Nature, though this is best of three. So thinking about something like Return to Nature for the sideboard is, you know, plausible. I mean, this is a pretty weak pack. And then there's an Evolving Wilds, which is, again, a card that like its stock rises significantly in team draft. Yeah, for sure. And especially with me already having an Eccentric Farmer, that card just plays great with Eccentric Farmer in general because you get to rebuy it if you've already cracked it you know, in case you whiff on a land from the three cards that you get to see with Eccentric Farmer. But it's just splashing in general is really powerful in team draft because you might be incentivized to hate a bomb from the other team and then evolving wild or two plus another piece of fixing might let you play that bomb also which is great for your team as well it's a huge swing in team draft if you get to play a bomb that you cut right for sure that's something that i think we've sort of been a little slow on the uptake of the curve of like we got the hate drafting part down a lot of the time in previous team drafts but not the like oh and now this should incentivize you to play that color probably Right, for sure. You know, rounding out this pack, we're now on the wheel. Pack one, pick seven, you get, you know, a candlelit cavalry, the five mana, five, five coven gains trample at the beginning of combat. Um, You do get that burn the accursed, the second one that we saw, pack one, pick eight. So maybe BK probably maybe not in red and is indeed doing the white thing that you're, you're in fear of, which is why pack one, pick nine, you hate a soul guide griff. It looks like that's the four and a white three, four flyer ETBs exile up to one target card from a graveyard. Yeah, that was definitely my thought process there. Um, and then, you know, the pack rounds out not super interestingly. You do pack two, pick one, get a nice little string of blue cards here. Uh, Curse of Surveillance as your rare four and a blue for the aura. It effectively just lets you draw an extra card every turn if you want to. Um, this card did serious work for you in the draft. Yeah, and I wasn't sure what to pick here, pack two, pick one. There's also an eccentric farmer in the pack, and that card's really good. And in normal draft, I would definitely pick farmer over curse. But I thought team draft might be slow enough and I was potentially headed towards a fairly defensive blue green deck that I thought it was worth taking the curse here because I also didn't want to pass it to LSB. I know he's got a proclivity to draft blue and I didn't want to take the farmer and then have him end up with some, you know, blue control deck where curse was just burying us in card advantage. So ended up being a great pick for my deck here. And I was really tough spot in the moment, right? Because past those first initial picks, you didn't see a lot of blue. So it's definitely reasonable that he could be in blue and you don't want to like ship that good stuff to him. Uh, in pack two you get to grab a phantom carriage pack two pick two and you're pretty much solidifying yourself in blue green with some really good picks a couple pestilent wolves in the two drop slot you get a shadow beast sighting as a flashback uh four mana creature and then the real interesting decisions happen pack three pick one why don't you talk me through what's going on here yeah so pack three pick one there's no good blue or green cards in the pack which is pretty tough so there are unfortunately for me good red and black cards and again like i put bk potentially on white in my head but i'm definitely not red or black so no matter what i do here i'm shipping good red or black cards so 
In this pack, we see Cathartic Pyre, one and a red for an instant, deal three damage to a creature Planeswalker, and then you can also choose the other mode of discard two cards and draw that many cards. Rare in the pack is Reckless Storm Seeker, two and a red, two, three at the beginning of combat on your turn. Target creature you control gets plus one, plus oh, and gains haste until end of turn, and then turns into a giant threatening monster on the backside. We've got also two great black cards in Defenestrate, the two and a black instant speed destroy a creature without flying, and Morbid Opportunist, the two and a black one, three. Whenever another creature dies for the first time each turn, you draw a card. So no matter what I do, I'm passing a good black or a good red card because there's two of each color. This decision is a lot more interesting if there's only one card of each color. But these kinds of things in team draft where, you know, whether I've correctly pegged what BK is doing to my left matters a lot, you know. And in this case, it doesn't so much because he's going to get a card of one of those colors if he's black or red, no matter what I take. But it could also have implications down the road. You know, if my teammates are red, my teammates are black. But the problem was my pack one was so straightforward and I didn't pass many good cards that I don't really have a sense other than that I think BK might be white. So I ended up hating Cathartic Pyre here over Reckless Storm Seeker. But after chatting with you pre-show, it seems like Reckless Storm Seeker is probably just the better card to hate. I think it's either Reckless Storm Seeker or Opportunist. And I think you could you could make a case for either given that we have really no good ideas about what BK is in. But yeah, I think Stormseeker, if we're talking about Pyro versus Stormseeker, I think it's it's a it's a Stormseeker for me. Well, and so I ended on a red card here because black was so cut to me from my right. I uh-huh. felt like I didn't pass any good black in back one. So I thought it was pretty likely that BK was not black. Um, shocker, turns out that's what he was. But <laughs> I, really, I really felt like I didn't pass any good black pack one and that I didn't really have an opportunity to draft black because if I had, I would have wanted to draft black, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's just that's just his MPL level skills coming through. You didn't pass him any black cards and he still ended up nearly mono black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is why I decided to hate a red card here, but I ended up, it sounds like, hating the wrong one. And in addition, also didn't hate the correct color card, but I think my reasoning was sound. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then moving on to pack three, pick two, you have another tough choice here with the best card for your deck being blue green is bait hook angler. I guess there's also an evolving wilds if you want to you know, make your eccentric farmers better or, you know, potentially think about splashing that cathartic pyre you just took, etc. Or you've got, an, again, a, a very good red card in Smoldering Egg. This is the rare one in a red 0-4 with Defender. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you get to put that many uh, counters on it equal to that spell's converted mana cost. And then uh, once it has seven or more counters on it, it flips to Ashmouth Dragon, a 4-4 Flyer. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you deal two to any target. There's also a Siege Zombie. Um, which is a a really strong little role player if you peg him for black. But I guess if you if you've taken the pyre, you've already made your decision for the draft that you've or for this pack that you've pegged him for red. So then the question is, are you supposed to take the card that's good for your deck or the card that you want to hate from potentially hate from your opponent? Right. So I would have bet a lot of money incorrectly that BK was not black in this draft. And so for me, I did think there was a chance he was red because I'd passed those red removal spells. And I think, you know, their team likes removal a fair amount. I think rightly so in team draft. So I think there's a world where he was red spells. So this was really hard. And ultimately I decided smoldering egg was niche enough that if he wasn't red and red spells, it wouldn't be great for him. And I really needed the bait hook angler for my curve, but I was pretty nervous about passing the smoldering egg here. Yeah, um, that was that was a toughie. And then pack three kind of rounded out with me ultimately having to hate a lot of cards. I kept seeing red and not a lot of blue. I ended up picking up some green, but pack three wasn't super kind to me or my deck. And I had a lot of tough hating choices early. So I ended up taking some more red cards from people along the way. Nice. Uh, Well, 
you know, we'll have uh, links to the drafts and the deck picks uh, where you download the show so you can follow along at home and we won't get too in the weeds here. But yeah, we just take a look at the deck here. It's a, it's a nice little curve. I mean, you're a little light on interaction as blue green often will be. You've got a silver bolt, a locked in the cemetery, geist wave, startle. Um, and then, as you said, a ton of defensive stuff, right? Triple Broodweaver, you got Shadow Bee Sighting, the Eccentric Farmer, a couple Bounding Wolves here as some filler, um, good top end with the Phantom Carriage, and of course, the, the Curse of Surveillance and Grafted Identity, I think, doing a ton of work for you. Yeah, the deck was solid. I definitely would have liked more interaction. I would have liked a few more quality creatures on the low end of the curve, but I can't complain for a team draft. Yeah, for sure. And I played some really close games. There's definitely worlds where I 3-0 the draft, you know, played super close games against both BK and Marshall and against LSV. Um, all three of them were very, very tough fought matches. Yeah, the matches, I think, were largely really close, so perhaps perhaps closer than they needed to be, as we'll get to a little further down the road. So let's see what happened with BK here, Ben. What, well, let's walk me through his draft. Yeah, so pack one, pick one. BK opens Augur of Autumn as his rare one green green. You can look at the top card of your library at any time, and you can play lands from the top of your library. And then if you have Coven, you can play creature spells off the top of your library. So pretty powerful rare there. And I think the right pick from BK. Cards worth noting that BK is passing to you is Rite of Oblivion, the white-black sorcery. Um, as an additional cost to cast it, you sack a non-land permanent and you exile target non-land permanent. And then it has flashback for two white-black. And there's also an organ hoarder in the pack. I think those are the two two noteworthies that BK is probably clocking that he is passing to you. Yeah, Beethook Angler and an Evolving Wilds as well. He's not passing green, which I think is also of note, right? He's passing Howl of the Hunt and Return to Nature. So he's also not going to you know be sending any signals in, in that respect and also not going to be able to, to hook and cut at least from, from this pack. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. There's a Lunark Veteran, white for the 1-1. One, one. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Then it disturbs for one and a white into Luminous Phantom, which is a 1-1 one, one flyer. And whenever a creature leaves the battlefield, you gain a life. There's also Burn the Accursed. And a card that I don't even really think is in consideration for me that BK ended up taking here in Unblinking Observer. That's one and a blue for the 2-1, taps to add a blue and spend mana only to cast a Disturb cost or cast an instant or sorcery spell. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the thought process is here. I mean, as we said, when we saw this as your opener, right, like you got to take a great card and then pass a bunch of, you know, medium stuff. But I still think I would land on Lunark Veteran myself, maybe burn the Accursed, but I don't really want to start with a green card and a red card. Maybe he's just wants to be blue if possible. And that's not something I can fault him for, really. Right. I think that that would be my guess as to BK's thought process. Is that they know blue's good. BK sees this as the only blue card in the pack. He knows he can cut blue. And he knows he's not giving up on much because the pack is so weak. Mm-hmm. And I think we may see that that sort of trend towards blue slash black uh, more specifically as like the best two colors, quote unquote, um, in the rest of the draft here. Yeah. So moving on to pack one, pick three, BK sees the following cards as options. There's a siege zombie, one in a black for the two, two, and you can tap three untapped creatures to have each opponent lose a life. There's that second burn, the accursed that I passed as well as ardent elementalists to potentially rebuy some removal spells. And then the John Hart wardens in the uncommon slot. Yeah. I mean, when we zig, BK's going to zag, like if I'm him and I take the, the Augur of Autumn, I'd be inclined to take a green card here in Dawnheart Wardens, which I also think is like probably the most powerful card in the pack, even though it's two colors. Um, but perhaps I'm, my guess is that they 
chatted or or you know met or whatever or BK's experience in the draft just led him to be like ah I don't green white's not something I want to be doing yeah which is surprising to me because I feel like green white of the aggro decks is one of the stronger aggro decks and it feels like in team draft if somebody were to get a green white aggro deck it would be a pretty strong deck and I do feel like I definitely passed that deck to BK in pack one if he had wanted to draft it mm-hmm yeah, he had no interest. He ended up grabbing the Siege Zombie here. So he's gone, you know, great green rare into medium blue common into medium plus black common. Yeah, I think Siege Zombie is even maybe a little better than medium plus. That might be selling it short. All right, that's fair. Medium plus plus. It's great. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Siege Zombie. Moving on to pack one, pick four. Another clunker of a pack here. There's not great options. There's in black, no way out. Two in a black for a sorcery. Target opponent discards two cards. You make a 2-2 zombie with decayed. There's Neonate's Rush. That's the red card I was clocking. And then Lunark Veteran as the white card I was clocking as I passed. And BK definitely wants to move into black here and ended up on no way out. Yeah, very, very surprising. Well, and I think in team draft, that might be the type of card that gets a little better, right? If it's a little grindier, you know, it's a guarantee two for one. You get the decayed zombie as well. So it's kind of maybe a two and a half for one. I could see that card going up in value in team draft for sure. Yes, except that like, I mean, I guess maybe the flashback into Serb spells will be maybe more spread out because everybody knows they're good, but. You know, it's just like, yeah, I, I agree with that in the sense of mine rod in general, but I think in this set specifically, it's still not a great card. Yes, for sure. I think that's probably true. And then moving on to pack one, pick five. This is the pack where I pass the Gabony Silversmith. Other cards in the pack as options. There's literal no black for BK. So if I'm BK, I'm a little worried that I've taken these black cards and then there's no black pack one, pick five. Um, there's an Evolving Wilds here and then some green cards in Candlelit Cavalry. Uh, that's the five mana five five that gets trampled when you have coven and a burly breaker, the five mana six five with ward one that flips into the eight seven with ward three. And so with those options, BK lands on evolving wilds here. And when I look at this draft from BK, and maybe this is just different card evaluations from different players and different teams, I can't help but feel like I was right in thinking that white was a super strong deck for him to draft it. There's a world where BK goes Augur into, sure, whatever, pack one, pick two, very weak pack, into Dawnheart Wardens, into Lunark Veteran, into Gavany Silversmith, into Candlegrove Witch, and that is a scary start to a green-white beatdown deck. Yeah, I mean, well, you're looking at the guy who ended up getting that deck, or getting that start at least from pack one. Yeah, which is actually great for our team, so it's um, great. Moving on to pack one, pick six, BK ended up on a Morkrit Behemoth, pick seven, got a Blood Pact, pick eight, got a Vampire Interloper, and we just see that the trend from BK is I want to be black um, and is taking black cards, and that's definitely keeping our team off of black, which also might be something that their team was interested in. You know, we, we more were focused on not letting their team draft blue, and they were maybe focused on not letting us draft black. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and he just keeps pressing down that road in pack two as well. Starts out with an ecstatic awakener into a diagraph horde, into a hobbling zombie, into a bat whisperer, into a, a blue black dual land at rare, the shipwreck marsh, um, wheeling an arrogant outlaw and a bane blade scoundrel. Like he is just on black card, black card, black card as best he can. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things to note from that is, you know, those tough decisions I faced in pack three, BK then got past those packs, right? So BK got the pack with the Morbid Opportunist and Reckless Storm Seeker. And of course, that's an easy decision for him to take Morbid Opportunist because he is black. But then pack three, pick three also decides to not hate Smoldering Egg as well. Maybe 
based on the same logic I had, he really needs this siege zombie for his deck and, you know, thinks it's unlikely that somebody has exactly read and exactly spells at the table. Yeah, for sure. He gets a, a grizzly ghoul. So he's like basically mono black at the end of this. If we take a look at his deck and he's splashing, you know, he's got that auger of autumn, got that grizzly ghoul that we just talked about, the four, three, two black green trample ETBs with a plus and plus one counter on it for each creature that died this turn. He's playing a plummet, which might be a nod to like, I wonder if they were like, hey, none of us are blue. So <laughs> main decking, right? I mean, main decking up if you end the draft and you're like, oh, none of us are blue. So that means all the blue cards are on their side. That probably is reasonable to main deck a plummet. And then he's splashing blue for Stormrider Spirit and a Winterthorn Blessing. And his fixing is fine, right? He's got an Evolving Wilds, two Shipwreck Marshes, and an Island. So four sources for the two cards. And that Winterthorn Blessing did work against me. I don't know about you. Uh, I did not see or feel the pain of the Winterhorn Blessing much. The Siege Zombies did really good work against my deck because I was so defensive. And they basically tore down my defenses because I couldn't stop the Siege Zombie life loss. Yeah. Yeah. And BK was our 3-0 drafter at the table, which is wild because I got to say, like, I don't like, you know, looking at your draft, I go, how does he end up in black? And then I see, but most of his black cards aren't, you know, that strong, but they're just, you know, they're, he's basically got a black green aggro deck, right? Double interloper, double siege zombie, double arrogant outlaw, double hobbling zombie, double bat whisperer. Like he can curve out and beat down and go wide and then close things out with the zombies. I mean, his deck definitely had a plan. It just would never have occurred to me in a million years that he had drafted black underneath me. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, Ben, let's uh, let's get on over to my seat. So I'm next in the in the lineup here. BK was passing to me. All right, looking at your pack one, you see the following cards as options. In the common slot, there's flip the switch, tuna blue for an instant, counter target spell unless the controller pays four, and then you make a two two decayed zombie token. There's Candlegrove Witch, one and a white for the 2-2. Two, two. Uh, and then if you have Coven, it gets flying on your turn. And Olivia's Midnight Ambush, one and a black for the instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If it's night, that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 instead. And then in the uncommons, there's some primo uncommons. Flush Taker, black, white for the 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you sacrifice another creature, you gain life and scry one. And you can pay one to sacrifice another creature to give Flush Taker plus two, plus two until end of turn. There's Corpse Cobble, blue, black, instant as an additional cost to cast it. Sack any number of creatures and you make an XX zombie token with menace where x is the total power of the sacrificed creatures and then it has flashback for three and a black and there's also contortionist troop the green x enters the battlefield with x plus almost one counters on it and if you have coven the beginning of your end step you get to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature and then boom baby in the rare slot brutal cathar two and white for a two two when this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into brutal cathar exile target creature and opponent controls until this creature leaves the battlefield and it's got Daybound, and then on the backside is Moonrage Brute, so when it flips back and forth, in addition to entering the battlefield, you can exile another creature. Yeah, and Moonrage Brute is a 3-3 first strike with Ward, pay three life. Um, yeah, this was, I mean, Brutal Cathar, I'm a big stats boy now, Ben, I don't know if you know this, but Brutal Cathar is one of the best rares in the set, um, and so I was. this was a pretty easy pack one pick one for me, but then just clocking like, all right, what do I anticipate Marshall, who's to my left, going to take? I think if I, you know, depending on what he takes, it could be any of like Contortionist Troop, Flesh Taker, Midnight Ambush, maybe flip the switch. But like, you know, every pack I was like, what blue, what black am I passing? And it felt like I was passing Ambush, flip the switch and Flesh Taker here. And, you know, all things equal. If I'm Marshall, I'd probably take Flesh Taker, but I could see taking, you know, any number of those cards. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, moving on to pack one, pick two. You see the following cards as options. Really, there's only two things to consider in this pack. There's Organ Hoarder and Rite of Oblivion that BK passed you after taking Augur of Autumn. So what do you like between those two cards? Well, obviously, I mean, if it's my own draft, I like Rite of Oblivion better because it pairs with my Brutal Cathar. And I, but I didn't know, like, is it okay to pass Organ Hoarder here or should I take Rite? And then the, up the next layer of it was, I was like, well... If Marshall took Flesh Taker or Olivia's Midnight Ambush, then he almost certainly takes Right of Oblivion. And so then there's real power in knowing that he's like, you know, likely to be black white. I already want to be white because I have Brutal Cathar. And so maybe I can, you know, entice him into white and then cut that away from him. And, and I also get to take Organ Hoarder. Like Organ Hoarder is just maybe a better card, period. Um, and so then maybe I just get to play that. Um and maybe I end up getting pushed off a of white, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up taking the Organ Hoarder here, but it was really close. Yeah, I think I like all that reasoning. So landing on Organ Hoarder, you got Brutal Cathar and Organ Hoarder heading into pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. There's maybe a Vampire Interloper, one in a black for the two, one with flying and it can't block. There's a Lunark Veteran, as well as in the removal department, a Burn the Accursed. That's the five mana instant speed deal five to a creature and two to that creature's controller and then exile the creature if it would die. And in the uncommon slot, there's also Ghoulish Procession. One black for the enchantment. Whenever one or more non-token creatures die, you make a 2-2 zombie with decayed that triggers once each turn. Yeah, I mean, this is as it was when you opened it, pack one, pick one. This is still pretty weak, pack one, pick three. I feel like Lunark Veteran is the best card in this pack, and it lines up with my rare, and it potentially cuts Marshall out of white, which I make thinking maybe I hooked him into. Um, so all of those boxes make me happy to take it. And, you know, we can sort of fast track here because I think there's more interesting stuff to talk about when we get to pack three. But like, I get the thing you thought you were passing to BK, right? I get the Dawn Heart Warden's next pick four. I get the Lunark Veteran pick five. I get the Silversmith pick six. I get the Candle Grove Witch pick seven. I get Sunset Revelry pick eight. Like, I just get all those white cards. And that's such a weird dynamic in team draft, right? Like, I'm worried about BK doing that. And then so I'm cutting, theoretically, if I had the opportunity to cut white cards in pack three, I definitely would have done it. And ultimately would have been cutting you, which would have been disastrous for our team, right? Right. Yeah. So maybe there's some advantage into just like doing things that people aren't going to expect in team draft. Like maybe sowing a little chaos is a good thing. I guess. Yeah. Except like that wasn't what ended up. I don't know. That didn't end up messing us up, right? Like you thinking I was in white. I mean, sure. If you had opened some bomb white rare, like Adeline, like you would have hated it and not tried to float it to me. Pack three. Correct. But like, I don't know. I don't think you can anticipate that kind of thing. Sure, sure, sure. I just team draft so interesting. <laughs> yes, it's so difficult. So pack two, pick one. I think it's kind of interesting because I open a Teferi who slows the sunset. I'm not going to read all of what the, these loyalty activated abilities are. I've only seen this on the battlefield once. I've never played with it myself. And I didn't know if I was like supposed to take it and try and push into white blue. Like, remember, I still have that organ hoarder, even though like no blue flowed. You know, I, I don't have a second color. I'm thinking I'm probably going to be white green, given that I've got the, the Dawn Heart Wardens, but I don't know. There's another Lunark veteran in the pack for me that I could take or a Shadow Beast sighting in green. And there's also a Diagraph Horde that I could hate. Like, what are your thoughts about Teferi and Team Draft? Am I supposed to just ship it? I don't know. That's a tough one. So you're passing to BK. I think you have reason to suspect that someone to your right, whether or not it's BK, is black because there was almost no black flowing at all, right? Because I didn't feel right. like I was pass passing black 
And then BK somehow ended up drafting black. So you're pretty sure someone you're right, but you don't know who it is, is black. Right. So it's a tough choice. I think you could hate the Diagraph Horde, but the fact that you might play the Teferi and don't really know how powerful it is, is tough. That's sort of the same spot I was in with Curse. I was like, ah, I think this might be a little better than I think in team draft. So I can get behind the Teferi here. It's a tough read to, to cut the Diagraph Horde there, but that was on our list of cards. Diagraph Horde and Organ Hoarder, like we don't really want to let the other team have these, but I don't know. Really tough choice. Yeah. So like ultimately, if we had hated the Horde, if I had hated the Horde, you know, that would have been better for our team, but I, I didn't know at the time. Um, and then I do end up getting, you know, pretty good green hookup here. Pick two, Dawn Heart Mentor. That's the two and a green. O4 makes a one one and then Coven five and a green. Give a creature plus three, plus three and trample until end of turn. Rise of the Ants, pack two, pick three. The six mana make two, three, three green insect creature tokens. You gain two and has flashback for eight mana. Then I get a Hound Tamer, pick four. Like I'm just getting really strong green uncommons here. Yeah, so you're locked into green-white in pack two, right? Yeah, and then some little like weird stuff happens. Like I get a Tovalar Dire Overlord, pack two, pick six. So almost on the wheel. Um, that's like the red green werewolf rare that you know you're not supposed to take. It's not very good. But I was like, eh, like I already have a handful of wolves slash werewolves, and like team draft is supposed to be slower or whatever. And I don't remember if at this point I had any fixing, but I was like, I I could end up with some, and then you know I get a sacred fire pack two pick nine, and so I'm like, eh, maybe this red splash is something that I'm supposed to do. I get a path to the festival, pack two, pick 11. I don't know. And then pack three, pick one. I open angel fire ignition, one red, white sorcery, put two plus plus one counters on target creature. It gains vigilance, trample, lifelink, indestructible, and haste until end of turn. And then has flashback for two red, white. That card's just a stone bomb, I think. Yeah, it's very good. There's also rise of the ants in the pack, which is four GG for the sorcery, make two, three, three insects, and then you gain two life, has flashback, and seize the storm. So like, Definitely good cards there, but you're choosing between Rise and Angel Fire Ignition for yourself, right? Right. And, you know, so my thought is still the same as it was in pack one, which is that I think Marshall's probably black white, given the like the stuff that I passed him. And it's very likely like we saw in the uh, was it? Yeah, it was the AFR showdown that he like he did some aggressive splashing even in a treasure set. Like he didn't have a lot of treasures, but he did some aggressive splashing in that deck. So I like knew that if he was touching one of these colors, like he would be able to splash this or would think about splashing it. And this card is not something I want to face. So I took it thinking not only like I'm hating it from him, but also um, I can play it myself, right? Yeah, for sure. That makes sense to me. And then pack three, pick two, not crazy interesting here. You see the following cards as options. There's an eccentric farmer. There's a candle grove, Witch. nothing too exciting for you in green and white, but also nothing really to worry about hating. Yeah. So I just took the eccentric farmer. I, I, I don't have an evolving wilds yet, but maybe I can get one in the next few picks. I don't know. Um, but I, I thought the farmer was just better than the witch for me. And then this is where it all falls apart, Ben. <laughs> pack three, pick three. What do I see here? Pack three, pick three. You've got several cards that are interesting. You've got a Candlegrove Witch for your deck, potentially. Uh, there's a Defenestrate as Tuna Black Instant Destroyer Creature Without Flying. And then in red, there's that Reckless Storm Seeker that has been floating around the table. Tuna Red for the 2-3. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus one, plus zero, and gains haste until end of turn. So this was the pack where you took the Cathartic Pyre, then BK took... The Morbid Opportunist, and now I've got Defenestrate versus Stormseeker. I mean, I guess I could just pass both and take the Witch, but I felt like I was doing... So my thought here was, I can hate a card here, 
And I was hoping because of how open green was that the rejuvenator would wheel. That didn't end up happening for me, unfortunately. But I was like, all right, I'm going to hate one of these cards. And I'm more inclined to think Marshall is black. So I'm going to take the Defenestrate and even have the the potential benefit of floating Stormseeker to Alex. Now, it turns out that that was a big mistake. Yeah, but I think, you know, in your defense, I was just looking back at this draft and people that are listening, you can't really see this, but and in pack two, you didn't get past a lot of black. Like, you, there's, you here are the black cards you see in pack two. Hobbling Zombie, and then the next pack, Bat Whisperer. Next pack, no black cards. Next pack, Duress. Next pack has a Blood Pack and an Arrogant Outlaw. Next pack has a Baneblade Scoundrel. Pick eight, no black cards. Like, I don't think it's crazy for you to assume that Marshall's black, given what you passed and the lack of black cards that you saw in pack two. Like, I, I don't know, man. I think your reasoning is pretty sound here. Yeah. I mean, it, it ends up not working out. But I, I like at the end of time, I, I think, you know, if Marshall ends up being black, white and or, or black X and not red, this pick look, this looks awesome. This looks super smart, and especially if Alex end up, ends up being in red, you know, getting to float something like Stormseeker to him or putting Marshall in a tough spot where he has to maybe think about hating Stormseeker to splash it, whatever. But that is not what happens. And the same thing happens next pack three, pick four. I see Evolving Wilds, which I need. I am splashing some number of these red cards in my green white deck. And I have the uh, farmer as well. And so the wilds is going to be good for me there. And I end up shipping the smoldering egg along, which I've gotten past. Something that I hadn't considered here that, I, that I'm starting to think about is like, so, you know, when I see the storm seeker, that means two other people have passed up on it. When I see the smoldering egg, that means three other people have passed up on it. I know I'm not in red. Someone has to be drafting red at this table. And so it's got to be either Marshall or Alex, right? That makes sense to me. That logic is sound. And so I think maybe at that point, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I feel like I gave him no reason to be red in pack one, really. But I mean, but at the same time, there were just like medium commons, like the burn the accursed going around, the neonates rush, etc. Um, but I was really stuck on this idea of him being in black, white specifically that I felt like the red floats were potentially okay, but they ended up not being so. Well, and so it's interesting, right? When we went through my draft, the things that I was clocking, which was the green, white aggro deck that I passed. And the second thing I was clocking was those red spells. And it mm -hmm. turns out that BK was neither of those and that you ended up in the green, white cards and then Marshall downstream of you ended up with the red cards. But I really think it would have been it would have been hard. I wouldn't have wanted to be in your spot to try to make that call. And I think especially what you saw in pack two, given black cards, it's not crazy to assume Marshall's black. And then I guess the main worry is, is Marshall black red? Because you also didn't see great red cards in pack two. Right, right. And, you know, I, I yeah, if I just maybe I don't know if I could have seen it, but I also think like maybe I just should have said, look, these two cards are too powerful to pass, period. So I'm going to take him. So anyway, I have regrets about that for sure, especially having, you know, spoiler, Marshall was in red and those ended up hooking him up. And, you know, I had the the, the painful privilege of watching, you know, one of those rares beat you and another one of those rares beat Alex. And it's possible that if those weren't in his deck, he could have 3 and we could have won the thing, you know. So I'm going to that's just a lesson to take away. So if you, you look at my deck, I do end up having, you know, it's a little messy. It's like one piece of fixing shy. And maybe I wasn't supposed to, you know, splash the Tovalar or whatever, but I've got Burn the Accursed, Angel Fire, Ignition, Tovalar, and Sacred Fire as my red splashes. And my fixing is uh, Crosswords Candle Guide, Path to the Festival, Evolving Wilds, and then a couple basics. And, you know, a, a fine-ish looking green-white deck tacked on there. 
All right, so moving on to Marshall here. This is who you're passing to. Um, and we know Marshall ends up in red. Let's see how he gets there. So pack one, pick one. See the following cards as options. There's Diagraph Horde and Eccentric Farmer as the standout commons. And then in the uncommons, there's Cathartic Pyre as well as that Teferi Mythic Rare. There's another one. So this is open in pack one. I open mine in pack two. Oh, yeah. Two Teferis. Wow. Two of these open at the table. Yeah, so he takes... Diagraph horde here over and the other option is yeah eccentric farmer cathartic pyre but yeah i agree with this horde here yeah i like this horde from marshall as well moving on to pack one pick two you see the following cards as options after taking that diagraph horde you're really hoping to take a black card so honing in on olivia's midnight ambush flesh taker and the corpse cobble that you passed and i think ultimately probably deciding between ambush and flesh taker yeah marshall and from watching his stream i just watched pulled up the vod a little bit um at the start of this draft and he didn't really even consider the flesh taker <laughs> much to my surprise uh he just was like all right obviously taking olivia's midnight ambush here i mean it makes sense he has to just keep keep on the mono black train yeah there definitely is power in team draft to staying black and not pigeonholing yourself into black white that early especially you know he knows that you passed him the flesh taker so again maybe something of doing the unexpected in team draft doing some work there so Mm -hmm. diagraph horde and olivia's midnight ambush pack one pick three sees the following cards as options there's really bait hook angler as the only good common and then blood pact as the only black card single black card that is and the uncommon slot there's that right of oblivion that you passed yeah and this is where i i do disagree like if i'm in marshall seat i'm like thrilled to see right of oblivion i get to stay black it's very splashable if i end up in not black white i know that i just passed a flesh taker so i get to like take the white black card away from someone he likes to take the bait hook angler here i mean blue is very powerful blue black is very powerful i mean he's he's got to be kidding himself if he thinks like he's gonna get blue black as a deck at this table as like no, no one does right um but so he takes the angler here and, and this surprised me and this obviously like leads you know much like you thought you were passing something to bk and you weren't like here he wasn't taking it i thought i was passing something to marshall and he just wasn't taking it yeah that checks out here and i agree with you if i had been marshall i would have gone ambush into right for sure Uh, Moving on to pack one, pick four. This is where we see Marshall pivot into red. So black cards in the pack. There's an interloper and a ghoulish procession and then burn the accursed as a primo removal spell. I think especially in team draft, you know, getting to exile things with decayed. I think burn goes up slightly and Marshall takes it here and that's where he gets into red and then gets the elementalist, the neonates rush and some of those red cards that that I was noting that I passed in pack one. Yeah. And like, so was I supposed to be clocking these? Like these aren't, I mean, burn the accursed is good. So I should be clocking that pick. Like that was pick three to his pick four, my pick four to his pick five. I think you should have clocked burn, burn, neonates rush. I mean, I was noting that while I was trying to figure out what BK was going, but it's hard after you've said like probably black, white. And I think that's right. a very reasonable assumption after going flesh taker into right of obliviation passing. Yeah, for sure. But then black and white do start to dry up a little bit, especially black. So maybe there's a world where he had to pivot into red, white, splash the black half of those cards or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I mean, just like scrolling through the draft here, he he doesn't really have a great deck going through pack two. Like he's got fine cards and he's like likely red and has those like couple of black cards he took early, but nothing else to speak of. And then it all comes together for him in pack three. So he opens up 
Agisa, Glorious Resurrector, the two black black four four. If a creature and opponent controls would die, you exile it instead. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you put all creature cards exiled with Gisa onto the battlefield under your control. They gain decayed. And not that that's like nuts or anything, but it's a, it's a strong card for sure. And then he ends up getting, you know, gifted pick four, the Reckless Stormseeker and pick five, the Smoldering Egg. And I think those really up the quality of his deck. For sure. And Marshall ended up going 2-1. I think Marshall might have had the best deck at the table, honestly. Like, if you showed me Marshall's deck and BK's deck, I definitely yeah. would have picked Marshall's deck as the 3-0. Yes, for sure. For sure. But that's why you play the game's magic. Yeah. All right, let's check in on what happened with our dear friend Alex next in line here. Pack one, pick one. He sees a Silver Bolt, a Defenestrate, a Lunark Veteran. Those are probably the, the standout commons. And then at the uncommon slot, only one card I think really worth talking about, and that's Blade Stitched Scob. Blue black for the 2-3. Other zombies you control get plus one plus oh. And then that uh that copy spell, Galvanic Iteration, the blue red rare. Uh, and that's his rare for the slot. Yeah, this is an interesting pack one, pick one. We definitely met as a team and thought we don't want to let blue black be draftable by LSV, and Alex is passing to LSV. So that um, you know could lead towards blade stitch scob i think it's between that and defenestrate depending on what you want to do and there's some power in defenestrate being single colored here but also you know maybe alex gets to be blue black again like doubtful that that happens and i think blade stitch scob is probably a little less good in a team draft than it is in regular draft so i think i might have taken defenestrate here myself and shipped the blade stitch scob but i think a very close pick yeah for sure so alex takes the scob there Pack one, pick two. He sees Eccentric Farmer, Evolving Wilds, uh, Cathartic Pyre as the burn spell at Uncommon, and then he gets passed to Fairy who slows the sunset. Yeah, this is a tough pick. And again, like this is just inexperience with Teferi, I think. Ultimately, Teferi is probably pretty medium. I, If I were in Alex's seat here, I would not want to pass Teferi to LSV because that seems like the type of card LSV would be good at breaking and drafting a deck around and just owning us. But right. I think ultimately it's probably worse than Farmer and Pyre here, but it's tough after Alex pack one, pick one's blade stitch scob, right? That neither of those two cards match up with that. That's the advantage of taking Defenestrate pack one, pick one is that then you can take Pyre or Farmer and maybe look to draft black, red or black green. Right. So I don't know, tough spot here. And I wouldn't want to have made that decision myself. And I probably would have done what Alex did and just cut the Teferi from LSV. <laughs> Yep, and that, that is what Alex did. Now, pack one, pick three, he sees Flip the Switch. I guess Candlegrove Witch is there. Flesh Taker, Corpse Cobble, and Contortionist Troop. Yeah, this is another tough pick, right? So you have the blue-black card in Blade Stitch Gob, the blue-white card in Teferi, and so you don't have a super clear lane yet, right? Best card in the pack is probably Flesh Taker, but both of Alex's cards right now touch blue, so I think you can make a really strong case for flip the switch here over the flesh taker. And I think I actually might even land on flip over the flesh taker here because I want to be blue. And one of the things, the other things we said as a team was that we don't want to let the other team draft blue. So, you know, you get the blue card here. You're maybe planting your flag in blue and hopefully stopping LSV from getting to draft blue. Right. Yeah. And that's what Alex did. And I agree with that. Next pick. I don't agree with so much here. So the only blue card in the pack for him to keep cutting LSV out of blue is a startle. There's also an evolving wilds. And then, of course, as we know, following up that flesh taker on its heels is right of oblivion. Yeah, the power level gap here between startle and right of oblivion is pretty huge. And even if you don't anticipate as Alex playing the right of oblivion, I would not be in love with having passed flesh taker into right of oblivion back to back. I mean, I think LSV is too good of a player and drafter to not take flesh taker into right of oblivion 
And I, I think you get a lot of equity by maybe potentially playing the right of oblivion yourself and denying that to LSV here. Right. Alex did not agree with that. He took the startle, um, you know, just thinking like that it was important for him to cut blue and it's just a good card. You know, he gets another decayed token to go with his blade stitched scob. So, you know, it makes a, a kind of sense to me, but like I, I agree with you that I think the power level gap here is a little too big, but you know, and for folks following along at home, process of elimination, LSV is the only player left. We know Ben doesn't end up in black, white. So flesh taker, right of oblivion really does go one, two punch and, and lines up well with, you know, the um, defenestrate that, Alex passed LSV as well, and then we'll we'll, we'll check out the, the sweet card that LSV opened to uh, pack one, pick one. But what happens to the rest of Alex's draft here? So the rest of Alex's draft, pack one, pick five, he sees Mystic Skull, takes that, pack one, pick six, gets a consider into Stormrider Spirit. So it's definitely making a concerted effort to cut the blue cards, and I think ultimately does a pretty good job of that. And LSV steers out of blue and into black-white. No real notable cards for Alex here on the wheel, except for Winterhorn Blessing, except for Winterthorn Blessing, pack one, pick eight. That's blue-green for the sorcery. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you control, and then tap up to one target creature you don't control. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step, and it has flashback for one blue-green. And so ultimately, that maybe nudges Alex a little bit towards blue-green here, and he ends up drafting blue-green also. So both he and I for our team were in blue-green. Yeah, but a bit of a yikes there in, in that respect, just like Alex kind of moving in under you. And that's partially why you didn't really get hooked up in in pack three, right? Is he's going to be taking anything good before you? Well, and all three of us on our team ended up drafting green, which is definitely not ideal. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yeah, like all three of them ended up drafting black, but like black is obviously a better color than green. But yeah, I mean, we also all ended up drafting white in the, you know, Modern Horizons 2-1 and did fine. Like, I don't think that's... That can happen and it's not be a detriment. Right. And I think it's almost kind of likely to happen in team draft, right? Because the person that you're passing to directly is pretty unlikely unless you successfully hook cut them, which is hard to do. I think going to keep drafting the same color as you. And then the one thing our team did do is we did cut blue. I mean, their team did not get to play blue cards. So mission accomplished on that front for our team. And Alex opens up a suspicious stowaway. That's like the looter werewolf in blue at rare and then gets a clear shot in pack two. And that sort of solidifies him, you know, eccentric farmer, nebelgast intruder. So if he wasn't sure he was green as his secondary color to pair with the blue that he cut, he's pretty darn sure at the end, at the in the middle of pack two. Yeah. And uh, he gets a great blue and green cards in pack two so it makes sense that he ended up in blue green looking at this pack two all right let's uh let's take us home here with lsv's draft so pack one pick one of course i mean this this card isn't even that nuts but it is a black mythic he opens tainted adversary this is the the black creature in that cycle one on a black for a two three with death touch when etvs you can pay two and a black any number of times when you pay this cost one or more times put that many plus one plus one counters on tainted adversary then create twice that many two two black zombie creature tokens with decayed yeah card is very good and you're very happy to open in that card in team draft and get to draft black yeah and then he goes defenestrate cathartic pyre i mean looking at what alex passes him it's not surprising i think though i mean when you get to the the flesh taker into right thing like there were many people that had that opportunity and didn't take it so you know but with his black start he's happy to go pick four flesh taker pick five right of oblivion pick six ghoulish procession and then he's just sort of off to the races i mean he and I were the only white drafters at the table and we, I believe were across from each other. So we, we both got ample amount of white cards um, and he got a really good black white deck. 
He did. And it ended up going one, two. That Ghoulish Procession, not in the main deck here, but it did serious work against me in game two. He won game two on the back of Ghoulish Procession, just grinding me into oblivion. I died to an army of zombies. I died to an like a really embarrassing punt. I was pretty tilted in my like second game against him. And I, but I wasn't winning that game anyway, but I had a clear board and he just had like two creatures and went like, I think it was like flare of faith, blessed defiance, blessed defiance on a creature to kill me for like exacties. I was like, holy cow, only LSV is going to do the triple <laughs> combat trick against you. But yeah, uh, it was, it was a streamlined deck. So I, I, t- I took the one, you know, his, his one, two, his one win was my against me. And uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed by his deck for sure. And he played very good games against me as well. I My deck lined up well against what he was trying to do, and I still had to play very well. I was very happy with my gameplay against LSV. So there you have it. Uh, you know, BK with the 3-0, Marshall with the 2-1, everybody else with the 1-2, and Team Resources emerges victorious for a 4-2 lead. Any big takeaways for you from this for future team drafts going forward? Yeah, I mean... I know that the the meeting is it's good content for the patrons, but I wonder if it like gets in my head or something. You know, I, I, I feel like I just want to like trust that like I can do my thing. You can do your thing. Alex can do his thing. And we're going to emerge with good decks and be fine. And that like, yeah, yeah, sometimes like the call time snow hating snow plan worked. But I kind of want to trust my gut a little bit more. And I also want to not, at the same time, I want to not level myself. Like I, I made, this was the definitely the biggest risk I ever made in a team draft in terms of passing cards of that quality. And I, I'm going to try and not do that again. I think that was too big of a risk. Well, and I think that's something else too, that I don't know how much we've hammered home for our team meeting, but we definitely said, we think we're more likely to draft red spells cards. So maybe we should let red cards float by. And I don't know if we were necessarily talking about bombs of this nature, but we definitely had that discussion about, you know, we want to try to float red things. And then we ended up floating them right to Marshall's deck. (laughs) Right to Marshall's, right into Marshall's deck, exactly where we want them. Um, How about you? Any big takeaways? Yeah, I think I'm getting more comfortable as we go. I definitely don't have to think about the wheel being pack one, pick seven anymore, which didn't really occur to me even the first one we did until I was like, oh, that's why these cards seem familiar. So just getting more comfortable in the team draft dynamic. I feel like I've found kind of a happy medium for myself between trying to make sure I end up with a good deck while also, you know, hate drafting and rocking the boat a little bit. I think maybe I was a little too far on that edge in some of our previous team drafts. And then just looking at what other people have done is so interesting in these team draft debriefs. And seeing how I have an idea of what I expect people to do and then them not doing that actually ends up being kind of harmful to our team in some sense that I they're not yeah. following the path that I expect them to. So maybe just doing my own thing a little bit more and making sure that I don't pass bombs could be beneficial. I think that's true. I think that's really it. Like, I feel like you've said that a bunch of times before in terms of like, you know, we've we've I think come a long way from like we need to not train wreck our own drafts. We need to make sure we're not train wrecking that we have functional decks. But I really think it's more it's much more have a functional deck, hate bombs, but don't worry about like don't get caught in the weeds of is the person to my left in blah because I don't I don't know you know I just feel like you can be wrong as I was wrong and what if I just like didn't focus on that and just took the red cards. And just said, look, whatever, it doesn't matter. No one gets to play with these. 
Well, that's the that's the thing, right? Though, because it is zero sum. That's where if you if you do read it right, like what you said, you know, if in that pick, if Alex is red and Marshall's black, you look incredible, right? Instead of incredibly stupid. And it's right. just based on what two people to your left decided to do in the draft and you chose wrong. You know what but I mean? There's, right, but there's no but and the, the same thing could have happened to you if you had if you had opened a white bomb, like I said, if you open Adeline, pack three, pick one, you're going to hate that. Yes, 100%. And I would have been wrong. And so I'm not saying that, like, I think you're just still supposed to hate Adeline, but you're also not supposed to be worried about, like, is BK taking the white cards or are the white cards going to Ethan? Because, like, I just, I have no idea. Like, I would have told you 10 out of 10 times BK ends up in white in that seat, and he doesn't. And so, like, I should just stop trying to figure out what Marshall's <laughs> doing to my left, you know? Sure. Well, and I think that's interesting also just like and this is just us talking. This is not in our show notes at all for for anyone that's wondering. But I think, you know, it's interesting in the sense that it doesn't really matter. Right. Also, because there's only so much you can do. Right. Like I was clocking all those white cards I was passing and I was clocking all those red cards I was passing. But ultimately, like it doesn't really matter until pack three. And even then, it's only going to matter for a pick or two if you nail it right. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I think the real, like, the decisions you really have to try to make are the ones where, like, like your spot where you were like, look, there's nothing green or blue for me. There are two good red cards and there are two good black cards. What am I supposed to hate? I think those are things you can really focus on. But, like, what if there's a good blue or green card for you in that pack? Then I definitely take the good blue or green card because I'm not hating anything no matter what because there was two of each color. Yeah. Makes my head hurt. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is very interesting. It is good for drafting. though. I will say like this is the thing I look forward to most as a magic event. Just me playing in not even because of the celebrityness of it because LSV is there because Marshall's there because BK is there. But just because team draft is awesome and I love competing and it's great doing it for stakes against like pros or whatever. But just the amount of you know drafting like what we love gets multiplied two three times in a team draft yeah for sure and it's, it is really fun getting to like you know i'm done with my match but i still get to like watch yours or watch alex's and root you on and you know really like you know they're they're all nail biters like this was a, even though we ended up down six three in, in games and, and and lost the match and overall they were all real nail biters For sure. That was another takeaway from me that was actually my only takeaway that day, which was I have to play faster so that I'm not the last one done every round (laughs) because it's so exhausting going boom, 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 boom. (laughs) All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.